We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by Indeed. We're brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat. We're talking about the NBA draft. The Bulls yeah. just made two selections in the NBA draft. They just signed an undrafted free agent who I'm pretty excited about too. So pretty exciting day for the Bulls. Jason, I think let's just run it down right off the top. Uh, the Bulls had the fourth pick in this draft, of course. Number one was Anthony Edwards. That was what I thought was a bit of a surprise. If you would have told me a week ago he would have been the first pick, I would have been uh, pretty surprised. But uh, in the days leading up to the draft, that sort of became the consensus pick. So Minnesota goes Anthony Edwards. Number two is James Wiseman to Golden State. LaMelo Ball goes number three to Charlotte. And that leaves the Bulls on the clock. Now, there was a lot of buzz around the Bulls that they could take Denny of Deja. You know, potentially could take Tyrese Halliburton, potentially could take Obi Toppin, but the Bulls never really tipped their hand, despite most of the mock drafts connecting them to Denny since draft night. And when the Bulls got on the clock, they gave us the first true shocker of draft night, selecting Patrick Williams, a 6'8 forward out of Florida State, who did not start a game in his college career for the best team in the ACC, the Seminoles, uh, going number four overall to the Bulls. So uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this pick, but Jason, I, I want, as you know, like I was really busy tonight at work. Uh, I was doing draft grades for SB Nation. I think I wrote about 5,000 words tonight in total, probably. So I couldn't really monitor the reaction on Twitter. So what I'm curious from is if you could clue me in how people were reacting to this Patrick Williams selection, because uh, first of all, I'm kind of in a bubble just in terms of like the types of discourse I'm seeing on NBA and NBA draft coverage. Uh, what was the general vibe around the fan base on Pat Williams going number four? So I guess you, I mean, you talked about how, and this was kind of a theme leading up to the draft about how like we weren't really sure what the bulls were doing. Like there was all like the Denny stuff, as you mentioned, but I will say in like the last day or two, the Patrick Williams buzz like started like taking off out of control so i feel like by the time the draft did roll around as long as it went one two three in some order of which guys that they were going it kind of seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that patrick williams would go number four and and indeed they did uh and in terms of like the reaction like for me like i i said even before the draft reading the stuff about patrick williams like if they did it i'd be fine i had to read more about him because we, we like did not talk about him that much like leading up to the draft because Again, like this was a guy who like seemed like he really rose in the pre-draft process in these last couple of weeks, and like just like he went from like a like possible top ten guy to up to the Bulls at number four. So it seemed like, uh, I mean, from what I've seen, like I I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say there's really any negative. I think it seemed like it was just like, a lot of people just like sure, why not? And I think that was just might have been just like a general outlook. I think on a lot of these guys with this draft, especially again once those top three guys went like that. Uh, and we, we were picking between whatever Patrick Williams, Denny, and your guy Killian Hayes, who, who went number seven. I think Denny went number. Did he go to fall to number nine? I think to the Wizards yeah. or something like that. So I think 
with the kind of the, the Patrick Williams buzz, it seemed like a lot of people kind of saw it coming, at least from today. Uh, and I think we're just kind of like easy to talk yourself into it once you like kind of like look into him a little bit more. Like I said, I had to read more about him. I read a bunch of scouting reports as I was writing up my thing for Forbes today. So I think in general, mostly positive. I think in general, also people just want to trust this new front office. Like the Bolt, we've been so just. Uh, so just like down on like everything Garpax has done. So like knowing uh, with this new front office, like I think a lot of people are just generally trusting it. I think I saw you tweet something about like how if Garpax would have made this pick, like every would have been everybody would have been up in arms. But now since this new front office did, everyone just like, all right, we're gonna trust this guy. Like we maybe like obviously people see the stuff where he didn't start a game at Florida State, nine points a game, four rebounds. Like it feels like a bit of a reach, and I think in general. I think people people probably think, yeah, maybe it's maybe it was a a bit of a surprise. Maybe it is a bit of a reach, but ultimately, people are going to trust this new front office and I trust Travis Connors and and Mark Eversley. And we they just talked us now. Uh, AK did his press conference right after the draft finally ended. uh, Said a lot of nice things just about how they love Patrick Williams' versatility, about how he's perfect for the perfect for the modern NBA. Obviously, we'll do a bit more just on his scouting report in a bit here, but. In general, I think just a lot of people just are kind of like buying into it just because of this new front office. Whether I, I, I've kind of done that myself, like I said, I, after reading it, I can absolutely see why they made this pick. Like in terms of, uh, he seems like he could be a really solid player. Like no matter what, he's got good work ethic, great character, uh, and then he does have this upside as a 19 year old. I think he was what the second youngest player overall in the draft. So like. I could see why they did it. There's a gamble. It was, it was a bit of a gamble, but I can see why they made the gamble because of the upside there. Yeah, I think so. I released a Bulls draft board last night, and I had Lamelo Ball number one, Killian Hayes number two, and then I had uh, Isaac Okoro at three, and Pat Williams' FSU teammate Devin Vassell, who was the best player on their team this past season, at number four. I didn't ever really consider Patrick Williams would actually go number four, but uh, I always liked Patrick Williams in this draft, and I think that it's an interesting pick for the Bulls. I think it's a good pick for the Bulls, and it sort of clues us in to part of the direction that Karnaschovas is thinking, at least in my opinion. I guess we can start with what Patrick Williams is as a player. So he's a 6'8", about 235, 230 pound forward, I think, uh, out of Florida State. Now, I think he has to play the four. So that's going to be the first yeah. question, like, I had people texting me today. Oh, he's like Paul George. Oh, Kawhi. No. He's, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. So I think his game is going to be so, sort of the things that stand out about his game are that he's a three and D prospect who provides rim protection, which is kind of weird as a four, yeah. right? Like, I think that that is probably his most unique skill. He has a super strong body and really just an elite frame, long, strong, thick, thick pretty athletic. So he has this rare ability sort of to wall up at the rim as sort of a perimeter-based offensive player, and you cannot go through Pat Williams to finish at the rim. Like, he's going to be able to absorb the contact. He's going to be able to take the blow. He's going to be able to stay vertical. And I think, like, the rim protection he offers at the four gives you a lot of different potential avenues to build the team going forward. Like, now, let's say, you know, a couple years down the road, the Bulls can get a five man a center who's really dynamic but sort of struggles on defense well now you have Patrick Williams to sort of provide some additional rim protection at the four so I think that's what's really cool about him uh you know in the most basic sense in terms of his offense I think he's mostly going to be a catch and shoot guy who is also going to attack some closeouts uh I could see him the majority of his time spotting up in the corner. Uh, I think he'll be able to hit corner threes. And then when teams close out against him, he can make a strong move down the baseline. He can go to the rim. He can finish at the rim. Uh, So I like that part about his offensive game. And really the most exciting thing about his offensive game is that he's got a little bit of juice in terms of his pull-up shooting off the dribble. So he's able to, you know, take two dribbles, rise and fire from mid-range and can it. He hasn't really shown that pull-up shooting ability from three-point range yet, but I think potentially that could come because he does have nice touch just based on his free throw percentage, which was 84% at 
Florida State as a freshman on 74 attempts. Uh, you know, you com- you compare that to someone like Denny, who's supposed to be this NBA-ready player. He had 400 attempts of being a 58% free throw shooter. And free throw shooting is always one stat I look at uh, for shooting projection in the NBA because, you know, a lot of guys, it takes them a minute to sort of adjust to the speed of the game and to the further three-point line. Uh, you know, when you go up a level from high school to college or whatever it is, but free throw stays the same, right? And that sort of shows your touch shooting the ball. And I think that Pat Williams has pretty good touch shooting the ball. So I, I like this pick. I've talked myself into this pick. I've always liked Pat Williams throughout this process as a player. Uh, certainly it is a little weird to take a guy who never started a game, but I think like, I'm not the type of person who loves comps, but, you know, if you want, like, the best-case scenario for this pick, uh, like, Paul Millsap, I think, would be a good one, right? Who was, like, a big foreman who, you know, he didn't, like, add the new-age skills uh, from early in his career the way Pat Williams did. Like, Pat Williams yeah. knew he was going to have to shoot threes by the time he was 15 or 16 years old, right? So uh, I think, like, Millsap would be, like, the absolute best-case scenario for this pick, and that would be a really great type of player uh i probably shouldn't even go into this because i don't like comps but someone like that and then you know who else he sort of reminds me of is a less enticing comp just like this general arch type of player is james johnson who the bulls once took at number 16 overall now james johnson was did not have a good career for the bulls but he ended up having a pretty good career in general he made he got a nice contract from the heat what was it like 60 million maybe something like that it was probably too much. That was during that crazy, I think, 2016 year. But, like, he played himself in a pretty nice deal. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I think he had a pretty good career in general. Uh, and he sort of reminds me of that, too. But I think he's going to have more spot-up shooting. So, you know, I, I sort of like this pick because here's the way I'm thinking about it. I think, like, and I've said this a few times. Like, you know, Bulls fans want to be like, well, this is year four of the rebuild. We should see, pro- like, real progress. To me, this is year You're one, starting baby. Yeah. This is a fresh start. <laughs> and because I do not – like, if the Bulls wanted a pure 3 and D wing shooter, I think, like, his FSU teammate Vassell, Vassell yeah. would have been a much better pick. And I think even a Coral, while he's not a 3 and D guy – Well, right after, like, right? He's Yeah, he went yeah. one pick after, five to Atlanta. He's more of, like, a wing defender. Where I think Williams is sort of, he's a unique prospect to me because he gives you both rim protection and three-point shooting. The ability to play out on the perimeter offensively and to guard the paint defensively. It's a very interesting combination. And there's a couple kind of cool stats floating around. Our boy Cosmos, who we had uh, on the podcast in the pre-draft process, he tweeted, Patrick Williams is the only freshman since 2008 to shoot 80% from the line, 50% on twos, have a steal rate over 2.5, and a block percentage over 5. So that just kind of shows you sort of the unique skill set of him. And then I found one other stat similar to this. This is from at a nocturnal duck on Twitter. This guy is a pretty sharp draft analyst. I'm in a couple group chats with him. I normally like the stuff he says. He tweeted out, uh, you know, for players above 6'6", who were first-round forwards, uh, who logged more than 10 pick-and-roll ball-handling possessions, made at least one pull-up three, shot 80% from the line, and did this all before age 20, the list is Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Kevin Durant, and Patrick Williams. Now, I'm wondering, like, where he got these, you know, the yeah. Luka Doncic stat, because, or where he got any of these stats. Uh, but that's an awesome list. And I think that, you know, it's sort of the pull-up shooting is is what's kind of interesting to me. And I haven't mentioned this yet in my evaluation, but I do want to want to focus on this. So, you know, when you draft Williams, who's the youngest American-born player in the draft. So that's one thing about him, right? He's got like, I think, a September birthday. Uh, yeah. I think it was August. Something, August maybe birthday. something like that. He, yeah, he's, he just turned 19 like a couple months ago. Just turned 19. He's the youngest American-born player in the draft. I think he's the second youngest player in the draft behind yeah. Pukashevsky. Uh, so when you take a guy like that and you talk about his tools and you talk about, you know, sort of like uh, how – you don't really know what he's going to be yet, but he seems to have a lot of untapped potential. You usually view that guy as like being a big time scorer. And I don't think that Patrick Williams is going to be a big time scorer. I don't think he's going to be a volume option offensively. 
Uh, in normally, when you take a guy in the top five, you want a volume scorer. So that's the other thing about this pick that really jumps out to me is I don't really think he's going to be a guy who's getting you 20 a game. I am relatively certain he's never going to get like 25 a game. And that's kind of what you think of a top five pick. But uh, the reason the Bulls took him in this spot is because he gives you so many other avenues towards team building. So instead of like slotting him in with like, oh, how does he fit with Lowry? How does he fit with Carter? How does he fit? It's like, who fucking cares? I yeah, I mean, he's he, the first yeah. piece. And if they got like, I love Wendell, right? I think Wendell could be really good. If they got to move off Wendell because he's not the type of center that, you know, is going to fit whatever they think the future of the team is, then move off Wendell, whatever. I don't think he's such a special prospect, such a right. special player that you know you can't trade him same thing with Lowry who you know he's definitely had his flashes hasn't really improved in three years uh to me you're not you're not missing anything at least not yet I mean we'll see what he does this year obviously we'll have this discussion uh as the season get as we get into the season but uh to me I'm not thinking of how Patrick Williams slots in with Lowry and Carter I'm viewing him as really the first piece and what's exciting to me about him is that he gives you a, he fills in the cracks in a lot of different areas where he allows you some versatility in your own team building of how you're going to construct the next great Bulls roster. Yeah, AK did kind of mention that in his uh, po- in his post draft pressers talking about the versatility was a big thing uh, that he wouldn't like lock him into a position like uh, I don't even know what position he is that that, that just he can guard multiple positions uh, he can play multiple positions offensively. Uh, and that guy, so yeah, I mean that just kind of just not boxing in, just having that versatility, which is so big in the modern NBA. There was definitely a major talking point in this post draft presser. Um, in terms of like the comps you made, I was just watching ESPN or I had it on right before we got on. I think it was Mike Schmitz of ESPN brought up OG Ananobi. Is that would is that legit at so all? Here's the issue with Williams to me, and the one thing that I wish he was better at, the one area of the game, is I don't think he's very quick defensively. That's why yeah, that, I think yeah, that, he's got to play the four. And yeah. Ananobi is pretty fucking quick defensively. Like I think Ananobi, they have like he's more of a perimeter stopper. I think whereas Williams, I think his defensive impact will come in the paint. Yeah, like I wonder, like. It, yeah, because that was one of the things I read as well. That like his while he's great, like help defender, team defender, as you mentioned, the rim protection. Just like if he's switching on to quick guards, that could be a problem because he just doesn't move that well laterally. Like he's just changing directions, just because a lot of blowbys. I read that in multiple scouting reports. Uh, it seems see, you're basically saying the same thing. Like I wonder if they think that they can. That's something that they could work on with his development. If they can like fix some of that slow movement. Like I'm not really sure how you do that. <laughs> do that type of thing. But like the way they were t- talking and like some of the people like reporters were talking is like, they think that he can guard basically one through five. Like that seems like a bit of a stretch in terms of him guarding like point guards based on some of these scouting reports, but they seem to be pretty confident in his ability to wa- ultimately be just like a super Swiss army knife de- defender type. Uh, do you think that's asking a bit too much ultimately for him to be able to guard like one and twos as well? Well, I think like that's just sort of the nature of the league, right? Like, yeah, you, if you're going to be a big man and they're going to target you in the pick and roll, you have to be able to either play drop coverage, drop back, protect the rim, or you're going to do like the hard hedge and recover, or you're going to do the straight switch. So all big men have to have those tools in their bag, at least the really good ones. And most of them don't, right? Like, that's why I liked... Yeah. Okongwu in this draft, even though most people preferred Wiseman, or at least NBA teams preferred Wiseman, because I felt like Okongwu had so much versatility defensively in terms of the types of coverages he could play. Now, we talked about, you know, Pat Williams' potential. I think that he could really play some small ball five. Like, if you guys haven't seen the picture of Pat Williams' tree trunk leg going <laughs> around yet, Thick, I mean, baby. this dude, he has a ridiculous frame. Uh, and there's a guy on Twitter who I really like. I believe he's a doctor based in South Korea. His name is Polar Fall. He's at Polar Fall on Twitter. And he had a tweet, uh, you know, earlier in the draft process where he said that he thinks Patrick Williams needs to lose muscle in his legs to become quicker, like that he was too heavy footed and he was blaming just how thick his thighs were. And that's muscle. It's not like, you know, normally we're talking about people needing to like gain muscle in their lower body. But, you know, it's something to think about. But yeah, I sort of like the idea of him as a potential small ball five. You know, like when the when teams would go with like Marvin Williams as a small ball five, 
I do think that, you know, that's another comp for yeah, Williams, the six man. Actually. Yeah, six Marvin, man in college. There you go. Exactly. Marvin Williams. And, you know, Marvin Williams had a pretty damn good career, right? And he definitely didn't reach his full potential as a player. And I think he would have been better in this era. He would have been better if you would have had him shooting threes at an earlier age. Uh, and he still, had a, he still had a really good career. So, you know, obviously you will, Marvin Williams went number two. He's sort of seen, I don't know if he's seen as a bust, but uh, I mean, he went before Chris Paul and Darren Williams. So he's yeah, that like was a disappointing yeah, draft wrong. pick. Uh, and there probably will be someone who goes after Patrick Williams, who is, you know, definitely putting up bigger scoring numbers. But I like the Patrick Williams pick. I really do. Uh, I didn't yeah. need to talk myself into it. As soon as they took him, I'm like, well, this is a pick that Garpax never would have made. Uh, they would have taken Obi Toppin. They would have taken Denver. And I just think, or they would have taken Halliburton. And I just think that Williams just gives you more potential outs in terms of team building. And the other thing I like about this, we should talk about this too, is like the Bulls were in a shit ton of rumors coming yep. up to this moment, right? And you know, a lot of people were discounting them, saying they're not coming from the bull side. Well, they're coming from somewhere. So what I my main takeaway from that is that Karnashov has really explored every available opportunity. I think like he did call up Charlotte and saw what it took to get number one. He did call up Golden State, saw what it took to get to number two. I'm sure he talked to a bunch of teams about trading down, too. So I think that he really explored all his possible avenues, whereas Garpax, like, they knew they were going to trade Jimmy Butler months before the draft. <laughs> they probably knew they wanted Doug McDermott and weren't going to make two picks, uh, you know, in that draft, that they were going to do a two-for-one trade-up. So I think that Karnaschovas' process was really good. I think he played things close to the vest, but I do think he explored every option. And, you know, this is still a major work in progress in terms of rebuilding the Bulls. Uh, Karnaschovas is not going to be perfect. He's not going to pitch a perfect game. And I sort of got the sense the casual fans were really pissed about this Patrick Williams pick. I saw some tweets from fans who were upset. I guarantee you all of those fans did not know who Patrick Williams was two weeks ago. Uh, I actually interviewed Patrick Williams in AAU when he was in AAU. Uh, I should pull up the old recording, but I I remember it was the last AAU session that I went to. uh, And I talked to him in Indianapolis, and I remember thinking like, now, this guy's pretty interesting. I'm going to put him in my earliest mock draft, which I always do one day after the next draft. Guess what? I got a 2021 mock draft coming out tomorrow, uh, AKA nice. today when the listeners are listening to the podcast. So check that out. I did a top 30. But when I was uh, making my Pat Williams one, I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm going to put him at 28. He's kind of a YOLO pick, you know, <laughs> like he could, he's probably not a one and done, but maybe he's a one and done. He's huge. He can kind of shoot. Why not? Never did I think he was going to be the number four overall pick. Uh, but one other key point here, I know I'm rambling a lot. I should probably let Jason get in a word. But it's one other good. thing I wanted to say, I feel like a lot of fans saw this pick and they were like, well, you should have traded down. You couldn't have traded down unless you were going to trade down to five or six, because by all indications, Detroit was going to take him at seven. Detroit really liked him at seven. So, you know, if you want to talk about him being a reach or something, I mean, if the guy's going to go seven and you got the fourth pick, you better take him at four if you want him. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it was Cowley claimed that the Pistons were looking to trade up to three to take him. I, like, who knows how true that is? But uh, I guess another thing I was going to I had meant to bring up, we haven't really touched on this yet, is and the Bulls apparently have been kind of pushing this is that he played some point guard in high school. Uh, for a few, I'm not sure how much how much he actually did play, but this was pointed out multiple times. I know Casey pointed out. I think AK brought it up. So it seems like, like who knows how much of like that actual like ball handling and like playmaking he'll be able to do in the NBA. He didn't do it that much in Florida. Florida State clearly like Florida State very, played a very deep rotation. He like didn't wasn't able to show that much of his offensive ability there. And I think it seems like the Bulls are like taking uh, part of this gamble that that he can show some of that in the NBA, some of the ball handling, some of the passing. And if you like, look at his numbers, he had, he had like an assist per game. Uh, I think his t- assist turnover ratio was not good. So like clearly a work in progress. But I think that that analysis or evaluation of him is probably part of why they took a number four because they think he's got a bit more to show offensively. You mentioned the stuff about shooting off the dribble and the pull-up stuff like that. So like that kind of stuff. And then maybe that he can be at that size, like kind of a – not like certainly not a primary, maybe not even a secondary, but it's another guy that can at least move the ball, 
and do a little playmaking, just a little bit extra. And that, that kind of versatility offensively as well would kind of raise his ceiling even more. Do you think that's legit? Do you think there's any way he could do that kind of stuff in the NBA? Well, I mean, like the way the game works now, it's pretty much going to be like drive and kick, read and react. And then so like when I don't think that Patrick Williams is going to be initiating the offense, but I think he's going to get the ball in situations where he's trying to beat a defender. Someone's going to rotate over and he's got to make the right read and make the right pass. Right. So that's like a responsibility every player on the floor has in a four out or five out situation, which is most of the league at this point. So I do think that that could be a big benefit to the game. Like the fact that he's comfortable putting the ball on the floor, the fact that he has pretty fluid motion in terms of his pull-up shooting ability, and that he has been taught to think the game at a high level throughout his life, I think, uh, you know, is pretty encouraging. Now, I was just pulling up his synergy numbers. So his synergy numbers are not overly impressive. In This kind of shocked me. In transition, he scored in the 17th percentile of the country, which is bad. Uh, yes, <laughs> that, that ranks is below average, but that's basically terrible. That's like one of the worst. And you would think a guy that big would just be sort of like rumbling, bumbling, stumbling in transition, right? And would be able to, that's my Chris Berman impression, by the way, would be able to get to the basket and score. So that gave me a little pause. But how about Patrick Williams in the half court? 72nd percentile in America. That ranks very good. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. And then, you know, you go down the rest of his rankings. He took... 32% of his plays off spot-ups. He came out in the 32nd percentile, which they have as average, but is a little disappointing. Off cuts, he ranked in the 62nd percentile, which is good. Uh, and that took up 15% of his plays. Also 15% of his plays in transition. We talked about that. He struggled. 13% of his plays were on the offensive glass, where he finished in the 60th percentile, which ranks good. And then here's the two most exciting ones. Only 8.8% of his possessions came as a pick-and-roll ball handler, but he ranked excellent in the 90th percentile. And we're talking about a dude who's the youngest player in the draft who's also like 6'8", 230 or whatever. So, uh, you know, that pick-and-roll sk- or that you know pick-and-roll ball handling skill, really, really tantalizing. I hope the Bulls at least give him some opportunities to, like, show that. Uh, now, you know, the previous regime, like, never really let Lowry run a pick and roll they did you know i feel like hoiberg did a little bit but never boylan so i would like to see that part of patrick williams game try to be developed a little bit because if you want to talk about upside i think you know hey on a low volume of attempts but not totally inconsequential volume he was pretty good in this one situation which is super valuable pick and roll ball handling so let's see that and then the other thing that i liked 7.5 percent of his plays couldn't be categorized they were as miscellaneous <laughs> and he ranked very good on miscellaneous plays 75 percentile so uh i like i like the pick man like i don't know if he's gonna average 20 a game i don't think he will probably i don't think he's gonna be a volume scorer but i think that he potentially has a skill set that can serve as kind of a foundational piece to build the rest of the team and like whenever the bulls are at their peak if patrick williams works out you know, to the best of his abilities, he's probably their third or fourth best player. It might be like, you know, maybe their second or third best player, but their fourth or fifth leading scorer or something yeah. or fourth leading scorer. Uh, but that's OK. You know, just like given giving the team a piece that can fit in a lot of different ways moving forward when you're only 19 years old. I think that's very valuable. And I think that there weren't a lot of prospects in this draft who you could say that about. I do think someone like Vassell that would have worked with where like Vassell just sort of had like a, he had a, a three and D wing type game. And I think that like, you know, that could just play anywhere. But here's the thing. Vassell, I think, didn't have the creation upside maybe of Patrick Williams. He, you know, wasn't as good in pick and rolls. I never would have guessed Williams was this good in pick and rolls, at least in a small sample. I, I did see the flashes of pull-up shooting ability. Uh, but then, like, he wasn't going to provide any rim protection. He was going to provide more perimeter defense, where Williams' ability to add some interior defense, I think, is really what makes him fascinating. Yeah, that's... the. Pretty good, pretty good wrap up there. Uh, before we continue and talk about uh, the rest of the draft, other other bulls happenings, let's uh, take a quick word from our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. 
And Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a shortlist of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that, that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need, and that's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is our best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this football season. From game spreads and totals to player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We are back. Cash Considerations, Ishaya Bulls podcast, talking about the NBA draft. We just obviously talked a lot about Patrick Williams, number four pick. Uh, but we also, you also mentioned before some of the rumors that were out there. That we kind of started the day with the rumor from Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer about the Bulls looking to trade up to number two. That was with number four and Wendell Carter Jr. I think that kind of freaked out a lot of fans. We kind of kind of talked about the possibility of that uh, beforehand uh, and just didn't like that kind of value moving up to number two ak was asked about it after after the draft tonight and said he never really considered it it sure you kind of mentioned like how the really stuff wasn't leaking from the bulls that much it was probably coming from somewhere i mean that sure seems like maybe ak called the warriors up or they called him and they just kind of talked about it and like here's what it would take and like that was basically it and because the rumor came that the rumor also came with the that they were going to trade up to take james weisman which was which also just made no sense. And we thought maybe, maybe if you do that, you're going to take LaMelo ball. Sure. Why not? But like the rumor to trade up for James Weissman just, it just seems super strange. Seemed like smoke. And I think ultimately we were probably proven correct. Again, AK is not going to come out and say, Oh yeah, we were definitely strongly considering trading Wendell when they didn't do it. But uh, I mean, did, what did you make of that trade rumor? Did you think there was any chance that they were going to pull that off again? We've talked about it before. We didn't really like it, but were you worried at all about them trying to do that and then taking Weissman number two? No, and I, I sort of addressed this earlier that I do like the fact that they kind of poked around. Like, obviously, I don't yeah. like uh, Weissman. <laughs> I didn't. I gave that pick a C, and I didn't give anything lower than a C in my draft grade. You can go read all my draft grades at SBNation.com. Uh, so I gave that pick a C. I didn't like it. And, you know, that would have been the one move that if Karnashev has made it, I would have been like, huh. livid. <laughs> now I don't think I trust him. Like, I would have started the <laughs> fire car packs bandwagon, just like Matt was doing when they didn't fire Boylan right away. So uh, I, I think that, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with kicking the tires on it, though. Yep. You should kick the tires on it. I'm glad they didn't make that move. Uh, you know, I'll say it. I prefer Pat Williams to Wiseman. I know a lot of people... That will be a big hot take, but uh, I released a mock draft a few days before the draft, and I did, it was my final mock, I did, you know, the picks that I thought were going to happen, and then the picks that I would make if I was picking, and I had Patrick Williams, I think, 10, and I had Wiseman 12, so uh, not that we need to compare them directly, but I think that, uh, you know, the the Bulls, they did well to to kick the tires on everything, at least. Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of NBA draft or NBA Twitter people did not like James Wiseman. But I mean, I don't know. Just to me, just like trading, especially trading up for like a center in this NBA and one who's not like super special. I mean, it just like I said, I don't, you know him much better than I. That just following him for a while now, just 
you've definitely called, I feel like called my opinion on this a bit, but just like, just, it would have been very strange to do that. And I'm glad they didn't. Uh, but like you said, looking into trading stuff like that, uh, looking into trading up, trading back. Uh, I know AK addressed the possibility of trading back as well. Like once I think the Knicks were apparently looking to possibly trade up when they had like eight and 23 and then the Pistons got seven and 16. Like I would have considered, like obviously they like Pat Williams. They wanted to take him at four, but like, I also would have like wouldn't have minded like trading back like seven and sixteen like if the Pistons really wanted Pat Williams and then you take like Killian Hayes at seven like the Pistons did and then somebody else at sixteen like I would have would have thought about that like who knows what was actually on the table there uh, there ended up not being that many trades I'm pretty sure in this draft like there was at least like not big ones at the top like there were there was all the talk about how like how teams at the top were really trying to like go crazy with the trades and there really just wasn't that much of it again the Knicks made a few deals uh there was the Ricky Rubio trade that involved some draft picks he's going back to Minnesota that's kind of fun I guess uh but yeah so like ultimately like kicking the tires on all of it uh with that with the the whole thing with the Warriors knowing the number two pick like how crazy with that was with their situation right before the draft them finding out that it sounds like Clay Thompson might miss this whole fucking season again because of an Achilles injury just like absolute killer right before you're you're about to make the number two pick they ended up taking James Wiseman anyways like I was I was wondering if maybe with Clay hurt badly like if they were going to take LaMelo Ball at number two but as I'm assuming that's what you probably would have done since you don't like James Wiseman and you like LaMelo uh like I would have taken LaMelo you're saying for, for the Warriors at yeah, number two I would have for sure and Warriors fans would have freaked out about it people really hate LaMelo <laughs> uh, and I think like part of it ties into like when LeVar was really in the news cycle. Now, LeVar didn't do, he hasn't had any impact on Lonzo's pro career. It would be ridiculous to expect him yeah. to have any impact on LaMelo's pro career. But yeah, I had LaMelo as the best player in the draft. I would have been thrilled if the Bulls would have gotten him. Uh, but that's okay. I think it's going to be really fun to watch LaMelo and Charlotte because like, what else does that team have going for it, right? <laughs> they need all of LaMelo's star power, all of LaMelo's buzz. Might as well just give them the ball and be like, hey, bro, just go ball out. And Devonte Graham and PJ Washington. I'm in. I guess Miles Bridges. Yeah, I love PJ Washington. Uh, I think he's a, he's a good pick. Uh, Miles Bridges has been a disappointment. Malik Monk has been a disappointment. But I'm in a group chat with this guy uh, Zay, and he made the same joke every time when you know there was talk that Lamelo. Oh, I might not go one or two. He was like. Jordan won't take LaMelo three because he's worried he's going to threaten his goat status. And he said it every single time it came up. And I will think about that for the rest of my life. So LaMelo, you know, I hope you threaten Jordan's goat status in whatever ridiculous alternate reality that that happens. in. that would be funny. And uh, yeah, give me some like Jordan LaMelo like uh interactions that that that's gonna be fun all around i think yeah like, you think about like oh lamello is not gonna be happy in charlotte small market and all that but like you got michael jordan there and you got some dope ass jerseys at least too like, hornets always have some really sick jerseys they just released their new ones they're like minty fresh ones so he'll look really good playing in those jerseys too so not a total loss there for lamello ball going to charlotte so yeah anyways back to the bulls uh moving to their second round pick Number 44, they picked, I believe his name is Marco Simonovic. I don't know how to say this dude's name, but uh, big man. If you go and Google him, uh, Google him. the first guy that comes up is a 34-year-old man. So a lot of people were really confused about that uh, when they made the pick. Leading up to that pick, uh, I kind of I predicted on Twitter that it was going to be either a point guard or a draft and stash. He's a draft and stash. Again, he's like 6'11", big man. Uh, seems like you're hoping that maybe he follows a Nikola Jokic path. He's a big skinny guy with, seems like he's decently skilled and he's 21 years old from Montenegro. Again, he's going to be stashed for at least a year. Uh, I think I saw maybe somewhere that he played for the same place that Jokic played at. Uh, like I said, I don't know too much about this guy. I said, I'm not surprised that they stashed because, uh, right as of right now, the bulls have this quote unquote, quote unquote, roster crunch where they have all these guaranteed contracts i feel like that's kind of nonsense because some of these guys they need to probably move up move on from and i think there'll probably be a roster shuffle at some point we'll talk about that more that a bit more in a second but they ended up yeah they ended up taking a draft and stash big man not that surprising especially with ak and uh at the helm they ended up getting a point guard at undrafted guy with devon dodson from kansas ricky you can talk about a bit about more in a, in a bit uh any thoughts on their second round pick not really i think that I'm fine with it, though. I had some people texting me while it was going down upset about it. I'm like, why? You know, it's a draft. Yeah. It's a 6'11 guy who can shoot, and that's pretty yeah. good, right? This guy hit 
80% of his free throws last year and 31% of his threes. Averaged 16.8 points a game as a 20-year-old in the Adriatic League. And I guess he had played six games this season so far in the Adriatic League and has made 82% of his free throws and 42% of his threes. So it's going to be kind of cool to have a guy we can monitor overseas. And it seems like he has some legit skill as a scorer. So uh, I'm fine with the thought process behind this pick. I don't really know much about him. Yeah, uh, I do have <laughs> Sam Vecini's draft guide on him, and he had him ranked as the number 68 overall player. I could try read part of this draft guide. Is that what we're looking for right here? I'll just do a little bit of it. Yeah, Sam's sure, breakdown says an incredibly productive player thus far in Europe for his age, and one displaying some really interesting skills that could lead him to becoming a potential NBA fit. He's really mobile on the ground and out in transition runs the floor well, and despite being skinny, he still scores in the post because he's faster than other bigs in the Adriatic League and can just spin around them. His post game won't work in the NBA, but his touch and footwork is a translatable skill across multiple avenues on the court. He has good hands and touch on rolls. More than anything, though, Simonovic is developing a real pick-and-pop game from above the break for three. He has an incredibly clean release, even though it needs to continue smoothing out. Gets great rotation on the ball, even though he has a bit of a dip and has to set. I think he's straight up going to shoot threes. (laughs) I think he's straight up going to shoot threes and could even do so at a reasonable volume. And off of that, he can also already attack closeouts and handle the ball to get all the way to the rim. The last positive here is that he constantly fights for positioning on rebounds. The negatives are real too, though. He's a pretty terrible passer who gets out of control a bit too often and doesn't see the floor well. Defensively, he does reasonably well in space against guards at the Adriatic League level, but I'm a little skeptical he could do so at the NBA level. He has good feet, but they aren't hyper quick, and he struggles to get out into shooters generally. And generally, I don't see much of a way for him to provide rim protection at the NBA level. He does okay in the Adriatic League through effort, but just doesn't have the strength and length to do it in the league. Ultimately, this comes down to offense. I think if you can be a legit pick-and-pop big, he is a draftable draft-and-stash player that you leave overseas for a couple years and hope he continues to get better defensively. So that's a good breakdown by Sam. Uh, Sam Vecini, great draft writer for The Athletic. So, uh, yeah, you know, shooting potential, (laughs) pick-and-pop potential, why not? Yeah, that's about all we can really say about that. Tell us about the Bulls' undrafted signing. Uh, I believe it's Devon Dotson. I'm not sure if it's Devin or Devon, but out of Kansas and a Chicago native. Yeah, I didn't even know he was a Chicago native until uh, a local high school reporter hinted me in on it, uh, you know, about six months ago or something. But Dotson, I have seen played for a long time. I I haven't searched for it yet, but I'm pretty sure I sent a tweet at one point watching AAU. He was playing against LaMelo Ball in the game where uh, I think Dotson was on Zion's team and they played against LaMelo. And this was like the big AAU game. It was in Las Vegas. Uh, I think LeBron got turned away because it was like a fire hazard inside. And there was like (laughs) Damian Lillard and Wiggins sitting courtside to watch this game. And I remember watching that game. That was the second time I had seen Dotson. I had seen him. uh, I had seen him in AAU. He played on the Under Armour circuit. So on my yearly AAU trip, uh, I always did one day at Under Armour and then the rest of the days I'd do at Nike. But I went to Under Armour, and he was playing for Jeff McGinnis, who you guys might remember as a former point guard for the Clippers. And Jeff McGinnis had just like a really sick team. Another player on that team was Aaron Wiggins, who is now a pretty productive wing for Maryland, going to be one of the better players in the Big Ten this season. So they had Aaron Wiggins and Dotson. And Dotson looked like a damn monster. He was short, but he was so fast, so strong. And as soon as I saw him, I'm like, this kid's going to be a killer pro. He was like a fringe five-star recruit, like a high four-star, low five-star. Ends up going to Kansas. And as a sophomore this past year, he was one of the best players in the country. I got his Ken Palm page up now. Ken Palm is the stat site uh, for college, the go-to stat site. And they had him as the number two ranked player in their player of the year algorithm. So that's how good he was. Now, uh, I don't have the per-game stats in front of me. I just have some efficiency stats, but... He he had 57% true shooting. Uh, he made 53% of his two-pointers. He made 83% of his free throws. He got to the rim consistently. He was so aggressive defensively with a 3.6 steal rate. Normally, anything above 2.5 as a steal rate is good. He was top 50 in the country with 3.6 steal rate. 
Uh, and then just like, you know, my eye test on Dotson, he's listed as 6'2". I think he might even be shorter. But, you know, similar to Kyra Lewis, whose appeal is a lottery pick, was like he can get into the paint. He can burn you off the dribble. That's what Dotson can do, too. I think that, like, you know, those two guys are kind of similar sort of in their skill set. Of course, Kyra is a better spot-up shooter, and I think that that's part of the reason why uh, he went higher, But and he's a little bigger, too. But Dotson, I kind of feel like he's got a similar skill set. This is uh, an untested take. So if anyone's listening to this and being like, you're an idiot, <laughs> Kyra's way different and way better, you know, let's have a conversation about it. But uh, I think Dotson's ability to just, like, dust defenders off the dribble is pretty unique. He's not quite at Kyra's level in that regard, but I think he's very good. He's so fast with the ball on the open floor as well. And he's just tough and aggressive. And, uh, you know, he might struggle to finish over NBA length, but I think he's going to be able to take contact. I like Dotson, man. I think Dotson could see minutes in the NBA, no doubt. And he'll most likely, I assume it's a two-way contract. Do you know yet? Uh, I'm not sure. And that's probably something like that. Or like, it will be interesting to see just because with no, with this condensed schedule, like no summer league, like, will it be a two way? Will it be like an, an exhibit 10 deal or just like a non guaranteed contract with like a chance to make the roster? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not totally sure because I th- again, I think the end of the bulls roster could use just like some little, some churning, yeah. uh, in g- just in general, it's, we could use this as just kind of going into, into some of that and with the with the Bulls roster at the end of it because there was with free agency coming up they had some decisions they had to make with the restricted free agents uh and I think what they did was kind of surprising uh so they had Chris Dunn Denzel Valentine Shaq Harrison all restricted free agents all they had to decide whether they wanted to give them or they had to decide the qualifying offers to make them restricted free agent they did not give one to Chris Dunn they did not give one to Shaq Harrison but they did give one to Denzel Valentine so like I I thought maybe they might give one the Dunn just because he was a legit elite defender this year. Uh, but then I also thought maybe if they didn't give one to him, maybe they'd give one to Shaq, who was basically a poor man's version of Dunn, kind of the, the same thing, just defensive bulldog type. I did not think that they were going to give one to Denzel. I mean, he's been in the league. He's already like 27 years old. He just turned 27. Four years, he's been hurt. He's had like three surgeries. He had like one decent season a few years back, but... This last season, he was in the doghouse. Ultimately, they give Denzel his qualifying offer. It was like $4.7 million. Dunn's was just over $7 million. Shaq's was like $2 million. Uh, and I think they asked AK about that. Or someone I, someone tweeted about just that mindset. And I think it was just because, because Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison can't shoot for shit. And they're just bad offensive players. And that AK values the, the offensive versatility a bit more. And Denzel, theoretically, is like a decent passer, uh, solid shooter. Again, like I would have moved on from him. I mean, they still could. They don't. This doesn't necessarily mean Denzel Valentine's definitely going to be on the team next year. Again, I feel like that they should churn through those end of spot roster spots. Like, like Ryan Archdiakono is a fine player, but like I would probably try to get someone with more upside. But he's got a guaranteed deal. Like they have a guy like Luke Cornett. They still have Felicio's deal. Like it'd be great to some get some of those guys off the team and try a few new guys. Again, we'll see what they do with with other trades. With if they trade guys like. They tra- make a Lowry trade. If they look to trade guys like Thad Young and Tomas Sadoransky, it would just be nice to see maybe a bit more churn at the end of the roster. And they still very well might do that. But I was ultimately surprised that they gave Denzel his qualifying offer and did not keep at least one of Dunn and Shaq. But clearly, just their, their offensive flaws uh, that tells you something. I guess tell you tells you something about what AK was thinking. Absolutely, and I totally agree with you that they need some uh, they need some fresh blood on the roster. I think that you know I would have. I don't know. Like, if you would have asked me before, like, should they keep Shaq Harrison? I would have said yes. Should they keep Denzel Valentine? I would have said no. But it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what Valentine can do. Like, I did not get upset at all about the qualifying offer stuff because ultimately it's one year, man. Right. Like, so you get a flyer on Denzel Valentine. We'll get another look at him, you know, without Boylan. Or, you know, maybe he'll never get off the bench and he'll never actually factor into, you know, the team on the floor this year. And then I I liked Harrison as a buy low candidate because his qualifying offer was only 2 million. uh, And I thought he could provide, you know, a lot of what Dunn provided at a lighter cost, but at the end of the day, man, it's like, it's fine, whatever, (laughs) who cares? This is the end of the bench. So I'm excited to see what AK is going to do with the roster. And I think that, you know, I started to get the sense and this isn't, sourced at all this is just me speculating i started to get the sense that uh he 
was probably going to turn over the roster quite a bit during the qualifying offer stage. So uh, after that news came out, you know, now I see Patrick Williams as the pick, and I'm not even worrying about how he's slotting in with the core. It's a new day in Chicago. Thank God it is. And, you know, AK is not going to pitch a perfect game. He's going to make some mistakes along the way. That's okay. Uh, certainly the the Nuggets made a lot of mistakes. They traded Trey Lyles for – or they traded Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles, and I think they traded the rights to Rudy Gobert at one point. But uh, they still built a hell of a team. So that's probably, you know, the best-case scenario for the Bulls is they're going to make some mistakes. They're not going to nail everything perfectly. But if you have good process, it will eventually lead to good results. And I think in this draft season, the Bulls had pretty good process. And now, you know, we'll see how Patrick Williams develops over the next, oh, man, dude, 10 years from now, he's only going to be 29. So (laughs) it's going to be a slow burn, but uh, hell yeah, baby. And I think that that's one thing that uh, you can do when you have security in your position, like anyone employed by Jerry Reinsdorf does, like Karnaschovas, I'm sure, thinks he does. Because, you know, he's not worrying about like, oh, I got to impress the new boss right away. I need to turn this thing around immediately. No, he's like, let's make the best pick for the long term future of the franchise. I'm sure he's thinking in his head he's going to be in Chicago for 10 years, probably too. Right. So uh, or more. So that's why you take Patrick Williams and, you know, you build it up from here. Yeah, and I do wonder if a guy like Dotson, maybe he takes like one of Dunn and Harrison's spot. And, like there's a, just another backup point guard. I do wonder as well, like if they're going to go with free agency coming up again. Free agency opens in two days. Uh, the point guard options are not great out there. Like so I think like if you want to go get like another like veteran guy like in free agency, I think you're looking like Dragic is a free agent, but he's probably going back to Miami. Fred Van Vliet's like the top guy. I'm pretty sure he's going back to the Raptors. Like after that, like, I mean, you're looking at like, D- I have to pull up a list, but like DJ Augustine is out there again. So you're looking at pretty slim pickings there. Like, I do wonder if they try to make a trade for a veteran point guard. So like, obviously Drew Holiday is on the Bucks now. Uh, I, Chris Paul got traded to the Suns. Pretty fun trades there. Uh, I don't. If you're looking like I mean, Russ is still out there. The Russ John Wall rumor is fucking hilarious. Um, the Bulls are not going to trade for Russell Westbrook at this point, or or any of those guys. Like maybe if you try to get like a Mike Conley, if you do like a Mike Otto Porter, Mike Conley swap, Otto Porter, who I don't think we mentioned this yet, who has opted in, obviously to his twenty eight point five million, whatever that is, he was always going to do that. Like maybe you use Otto Porter as a trade chip for a veteran point guard. I'm not sure. Again, I mentioned Ricky Rubio. I thought maybe he'd be a target, but he's now going back to the Timberwolves and sounds like he's locked in there. So like the Bulls could still use an upgrade to point guard just for this, for this roster that just the playmaking that they need the help with. And we, we know they have Zach Levine and Kobe white, but uh, they still need more playmaking help there. Again, maybe Dotson can provide a little bit at the end of the roster. Like I mentioned Arch Giacchino, but they could still use more, so I'm very curious to see what they do there. Like, do you know? Is there anybody you would like to see them go after to in either free agency or a trade here with free agency with uh with that coming up? I'm not really prepared to answer that question right now, Jay. Fair enough. My brain <laughs> that, has been focused. That is totally ground, fair. So. Yeah, like, I I just am curious. I know you said like you don't really care. Like you're not like right now you're not really worried about like how Pat Williams fits into the score. But I am kind of curious, just like what they're going to do about point guard. I I do kind of think like with uh. Williams here I do wonder about Lowry or Thad Young like I feel like you got to trade at least one of them just I I don't know how you'd have your roster with all like I know they're not really that deep on the wing because it's basically Otto at the three and they have Hutchinson who's never healthy and then you have Lowry and Thad at the four but like I don't know I feel like one of those guys has probably got to go and it would not surprise me if I I think you got to look to trade Thad or sad Thad and or Sato, and maybe you look to trade Lowry again. I just don't know what his value is at this point. It's probably pretty low. I'm not sure where you can get. I do think you have to probably clear out at least a couple of these guys uh, to make some more room again for maybe add a free agent or two. I know there there was rumors that they were interested in Derek Jones Jr. Uh, that would kind of be interesting to add more athleticism on the wing. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what what the kind of rumors come out in the next couple of days. Um, I guess finally to wrap up here, we've been going for a while. Do you have any thoughts on some of the other big stuff that's happened around the league? Uh, the Chris Paul trade I mentioned, the Drew Holiday stuff, the the Bucks stuff, kind of hilarious because the other day they had, they made the big move for Drew Holiday, three first round picks, two pick swaps, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and then they seemingly had acquired Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings for a sign and trade for uh, I think it was Dante Divincenzo, Ursan Sova, and DJ Wilson. But now it came out today that it is basically dead, apparently, because 
uh, that they had never that Bogdan had never actually agreed to the deal. Uh, a lot of people are wondering if this is like trying to circumvent tampering fines and stuff like that. But I mean, as of right now, it seems like it's dead. What did you make of that whole situation of what's going on in Milwaukee and the whole trying to get Giannis to stay? This could be a whole nother podcast. I know <laughs> so much around the league and we'll do another podcast. We'll hit on yeah. all this stuff. Uh, I think that they definitely need Bogdanovich. I think like if you have Bogdanovich and holiday in the backcourt, they just got a lot more dynamic. Obviously they mortgaged their whole future to get holiday, uh, which was a crazy overpay, but, I mean, if you needed him for Giannis's last year, then you need him, I guess. But the holiday sign, the holiday trade is going to look so much worse if they don't get Bogdanovich. <laughs> so they definitely need to get Bogdanovich. And then just other things that jumped out around the league to me today. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into this because it's yeah. 1 a.m. and I want to fall asleep. But, yeah. uh, man, the Sixers. The Sixers yeah. are awesome. And Maury immediately comes in, immediately has a plan, starts making moves, trades a 2025 first rounder, protected one to six, whatever, who cares, gets Al Horford out, makes the Josh Richardson for Seth Curry trade. That seems like, you know, Richardson's probably a better player than Curry probably, but, you know, the fit in... uh, Perfect. The fit is perfect in Philadelphia. They also get Danny Green by moving off Horford. So, and then they get Isaiah Joe who Isaiah Joe, probably potentially one of the best shooters in this draft, took 75% of his attempts from three-point range, Isaiah Joe did. He only hit 34%, but he was taking wild volume. I think he's an incredible shooter. So, uh, dude. And Paul Reed. And they got Paul Reed. Go to Paul with the last pick. (laughs) So, Maury going to the Sixers, dude, this is going to do more to solve conference imbalance than anything that's happened in two (laughs) decades, I feel like. Like, Philly is the new team to be scared of in the East because they got more. Yeah, yeah, you look at that starting lineup now, and now they have Simmons, Danny Green, Seth Curry. I, I guess just for now, like we'll see what else they do. Simmons, Danny Green, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. It just looks so much better. It just it'll probably make Harris better uh, now that you actually have like two pure shooters. Seth Curry was like the best. I think he had the best shooting percentage in the league last year from three. He was he was very close if he wasn't tops. And then I know Danny Green took a lot of shit. Uh, but, I mean, he's still smart veteran, 3 and D guy. I mean, they, the lineup just looks so much better. They still have Matisse Thibel coming off the bench. I think they still have Shake Milton coming off the bench there. And now they made a few other solid draft picks. Yeah, a lot of fun there. I know a lot of people love the, what the Grizzlies did in the draft because they got, what, Xavier Tillman, De- Bain. I think they got Desmond Bain. And then I think they just signed Killian Tilly in, as undrafted. So, like, they, they're a fun team. Uh, and then obviously there's obviously the goofy ass fucking James Harden net stuff. Like, I mean, I just wanted because I think it'll be absolutely hilarious. Uh, I get that would, I guess, help con- more a bit help more with the conference imbalance as well. To, if you bring Harden from the Rockets over to the Nets, uh, a lot of goofy rumors out there with that. Um, with like, oh, it's a done deal, but not really. Like, I really th- what the Nets will basically have to offer like half their team and then like a million draft picks. And I still don't even know if that'd be good enough. But uh just goofy shit. It's kind of funny because I think the last pop we talked about, we were like, oh, maybe, maybe Harden will get, like, I think it might look like Harden might get traded. And literally after that pod dropped or we recorded it, fucking Russ's trade request came out. And it was like right after it. So that was kind of funny. So obviously, still a lot of stuff that could happen here with the Rockets and all that kind of stuff and with free agency coming up. Super exciting stuff. Uh, again, free agency opens in a couple days. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Ricky, any final thoughts here? No, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, let's go to, time to go to bed. You've been working your ass off all day. I woke up too early today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got a twenty twenty one mock draft out tomorrow yeah. though, so check go, that out. Go too. check that out. And draft yeah, trades. Absolutely. There's a lot of my bullshit. You guys can read online if you want to. <laughs> absolutely. So yeah. So as always, from us here at Cash Considerations, uh, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Please, especially after tonight's NBA draft, go check out all the great pods across the Blue Wire Network. There'll be plenty of, uh, besides us, plenty of draft coverage, plenty of draft reaction. And then with free agency coming up, plenty of free agency preview stuff like that. Uh, we will. I'm not totally sure when we're going to record again, but. Uh, obviously if the Bulls do stuff here in the, ne- in the next couple days in the coming week we will be right on top of it uh, please go rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods give us those 5 star ratings or tell us what we can do better and you know where to find us on Twitter 
Uh, so for Jason and Ricky, this is Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Happy draft, and Ricky, get your ass to sleep. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.